All right. Um, I'm going to hit you all with a little bit of information, a little bit of, of a background to kind of understand what in the world's going on. So there's actually a huge thunderstorm going through right now, like through where I live. And so you can probably hear rain, thunder, and lightning. Well, I guess you can't hear lightning. You can hear rain and thunder probably falling. And uh, so just uh, know that if you're hearing that, um, I'm sorry, I, I didn't plan on the weather being bad whenever I went to record this. Um, I'm, I'm terrible at looking at the weather. Um, I, I do it when I have a plan for that day. I'll be like, oh, I should, I should check the weather. But then I always am like, Shoot, I should have checked the weather, because I always forget to check the weather. So anyway, I digress. Um, I think everyone and their mama, at this point, has probably heard about this slap. The slap. Will Smith walks up on the stage at the Oscars Academy, Academy, at the Academy and smacks, or slaps, Chris Rock. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is wild. First off, I wouldn't have even known the Academy's happened if Will Smith wouldn't have slapped Chris Rock. Um, and I'm not saying that is like, I'm, thank the Lord he slapped him. Otherwise, I wouldn't have known. Like, I, I wouldn't have cared either way. Um, if I would have missed the Academy's, literally, I, I would have, I couldn't have cared less. I actually haven't watched any of the Academy's other than the three seconds of him smacking him and being like, so what? What's going on? And watching one YouTube video that explained, so this is, you know, acting like it's some major event on like, this is why it was, you know, this is why the slap happened, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, okay, so it's, you know, interesting. I don't have a position on it. I, I don't care to have a position on it. I'm not here to talk about that at all. I just... In pre- prefacing it with saying that, so after it happened, I then was like, "Man, I haven't. I didn't even know the awards were happened. I wonder if other award shows have happened. I have no idea if the Oscars have happened, but I looked at the Grammys, which I believe I think it has happened. Obviously, I know it has happened. I don't know when it happened, but I looked because I wanted to see. I wonder what song won the worship song of the year. So I went and I did a little bit of. Uh, of of research and I found that the number one song was there were five songs nominated but the one that won the award was Never Lost by CC but one of the five excuse me was Wait on You by Maverick City and Elevation and I thought really that one won the award and immediately some of you are like oh <gasps> That song is fantastic. I'm not saying that song's not good. I'm saying I found it surprising that it won. For the major reason, we are, as a society, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, we are terrible, terrible at waiting. Waiting on anything. And that includes God. (laughs) Like, when you go to the grocery store and you get behind a lady and she pulls out her coupon book and says, I have a coupon for that, and she has a scrapbook of coupons, you look up at the roof and you're like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I don't have time for this. 
companies know it too. I mean, every place, dude. The Dollar General down the street from me has self checkout. The Dollar General has self checkout. Like, we are horrible at waiting. We can't wait. Like, we go up to a a crosswalk. Like, we are standing on the corner of the sidewalk. And there's the hand across the street that's got the red. And we click the button once. And we look. And we see that the hand's still red. One, two, three, four, five seconds later, we click that button. But we don't just click it again saying, maybe I didn't hit it right the first time. We hit that joker six times. We're like, da 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 and then we look back and we're like, okay, come on, let's, I got places to be, people to see, I don't have time to stand on the corner, like, it's a crosswalk, my objection is to cross across the street, not stand on the corner, so like, let's, come on, let's do this, we go to the DMV and look at the lines and are like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna age 30 years in this place, so like, we are horrible at waiting, I send a text message. I will, within two minutes, go check the text message and see if you've read it. And if you've read it, I'll be like, okay, you just read it and didn't want to respond? Like, we are terrible at, at reading. I mean, at reading. <laughs> I, I'm terrible at reading. We are terrible at waiting. So how do we get better at it? I mean, what does it look like to be someone who's willing to wait on God? Wait on God in, in, in faith, but then also how do we approach this situation of waiting in life? Because I think we do the same thing with God as we do with, for example, sending a message to someone. Like I send a message, I'm expecting you to res- respond in a timely manner. Like when, when I send an email to a professor at school, they respond with, I will respond within 24 hours and I expect the same from you. So if I email my professor and I say, hey professor, I am wanting to run my thesis by you. They will respond with, fantastic, email it to me and attach it in PDF format. I expect a response in 24 hours. If I wait 36 hours, they're not going to message me back. They're not going to do anything. They're just going to be like, okay, he doesn't care. Like They're not going to follow up. He just doesn't care. So a lot of us will submit our prayer to God, and we'll be like, God, I need you to work in this. 36 hours later, we're like, I guess God just doesn't care. I guess God just isn't going to do it. I mean, I guess this is just, I'm supposed to just be in this position of, of, I guess this is my opportunity to be like Job. <laughs> we take it to the worst of the worst. <laughs> but it's because we're terrible at waiting. And some of you are like, yeah, I just, I see like God showing up and meeting the people right where they're at. And I wonder why doesn't he do the same thing for me? And I think the best way to understand how to get better at waiting is to see how was waiting handled like in the Bible. Obviously, it's it's the book of lessons. It's the book for us to live off of. It is everything you need. You need fellowship with the body. So loving God, loving one another. You need fellowship. You need prayer, and you need time with the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, Genesis to Revelations, the 66 books, spending time in reading and studying that book, praying with God about what you've read, praying with God about what you're going through, praying to God about, God, this is the situation, 
working it in however glorifies your name. And spending time with the body, and we kind of see this beautiful image brought together in the disciples right after Jesus has been resurrected. So Jesus is resurrected, and he tells the disciples that there is a comforter that will be coming. There's The Holy Spirit will come be with them, and they just have to wait. It could be tomorrow. It could be six years from now. It could be when you're 84. They don't know. I mean, he doesn't say, this day, be here, and this is what will happen. They're just having to wait. And so in that waiting period, okay, the disciples... And what you understand is that, yes, there are these this, the close disciples, which we call the, like the 12, and you have obviously the close three, and we know that Judas ends up committing suicide, so then you're down to 11. And you have also plenty of disciples on the outside of that. Like, if you understand whenever it talks about Jesus entering into, um, like, like Palm Sunday, as he enters into the city, it says his multitude. Of disciples, So not just the 12, but you've got like all of the people over the time that have seen Jesus work, that have fallen in love with this man, and who is also God in the flesh. Like, there's plenty of disciples. And so we also know that in the upper room, there was also more than just those 11. Like, there was a, a large sum of disciples. I want to say, I, I feel like I've heard before, and I feel like I've read, I think it's like 120. Maybe that might not be right, but I really think it's 120. I would look it up, but... Because of this storm, my power has gone out, so I, I could try to sift through the Bible and find it, but, I mean, it's just in Acts. Um, but I believe it's 120. So you have these disciples, a large sum of disciples, but one of the things that these disciples are told to do is to wait. Wait because that comforter, the Holy Spirit, is coming. You just don't know when. The answer is coming. You just don't know when. And so in this meantime, they do several things. First off, they pray a lot. They spend time in prayer. Secondly, they go throughout their daily routines, meaning they, they go through life. They don't do life differently. Like, they don't just sit in a position all day like, God, we're waiting, God, we're waiting, God, we're waiting, God, we're waiting, God, we're waiting. Like, no, they know it's coming. Because they know that God's going to move in the situation, that God's got something in store, that God's going to work for His glory. So I just need to do what I know I'm supposed to be doing, and that waiting will eventually be answered. And it might not be on this side of death. It might be on the other side. You'll see it come to fruition. But there's something that God's got in work in store. So they are praying. They're going throughout their daily routines, but then there's this third one. And this third one is that they are joining together with one another often, and they are discussing the things of Jesus, Christ Jesus. They are talking about what they saw, what he did. They're talking about what what do we know, like looking back at the Old Testament, and they're looking at like what Jesus was like, and they're, they're discussing God together. So they kind of hit this they kind of hit it on the head. Like, they are spending time with one another, so they're having fellowship. They are in prayer, and they're also spending time with the Word because most likely 
whenever they're discussing these things that Jesus did, they are comparing them to the things that were written in the Old Testament book, and at the time wasn't the Old Testament, but the law and the prophets, and they're reading these things, and they're saying, like, man, Jesus really kind of did all these things, and they're discussing the word in flesh, okay? Granted, we don't see, we didn't experience Jesus in the flesh, so we can't discuss the word in flesh. We discuss the word from the book, right? Even though it is a living word. Um, and so, one of the things that they had to do, though, is they had to wait. But yet, they still fulfilled these three things. In the meantime of waiting, they weren't discussing, man, Jesus said it would come, like, when is it coming? They're just waiting, and they're trusting in prayer, they're trusting in God and one another, and they're discussing the things of God, and they're trusting that the time will come, I don't know when it is, but that the, the answer is going to arrive because God has told me the answer will arrive. And you're saying, yeah, but, you know, Jesus doesn't exist with me, so how do I know that Jesus is going to absolutely answer this? The Bible tells us, ask and ye shall receive. But there's also an interesting concept in James where it talks about you ask, but you do not receive, and it's because you do not ask properly. And some of you are beginning to say, okay, but what does it look like to ask God properly to move in a situation? Like, what does that look like? And unfortunately, for a lot of us, what it looks like is that what we want and what God needs us to do might not line up. Because I want to go hang out with my friends and party and do other things, but God hasn't called me to do that. And I want to, on Sundays, sleep in and not go to church, and not get up early in the morning, but God needs me to be a member. And I want to just get the abortion and take this problem that I've put myself in, and, and or immediately right then somebody's like, but what if I didn't put myself in that situation? You have this problem, you see it as a problem, you view it as a problem, it's going to be a problem. Whether it was a mistake or not a mistake, your outlook on how it is will determine your perspective on what to do. So if I look at something and I say that's a problem, it will be a problem. But if I look at this and say it was a misstep, it was a misguidance, it was a mistake on whether it was my behalf, or it was completely uncontrollable. I then have this situation of, God, this is what I want to do, okay? This is what I want to do, this is how I would like it to be, God, I need you to answer this, but I've only got this certain amount of time before this thing's going to come to fruition, so what do I need to do? And you're like, okay, so I need to ask God, but then there's the concept of asking correctly, so how do I ask correctly? A good way to answer this and a good way to view it, when you ask God, when you pray to God, when you present something to God, even though he knows your heart and he knows your desire, how do you ask? See, instead of saying, God, 
I need to know what I need to do. You ask, God, I need you to show me what you need me to do. God, I'm trusting you with my life. And God, I don't want to take a step. I don't want to do anything if it doesn't honor, glorify, and exalt you. And immediately you're like, so I have to subscribe and give up all control of my life and just hand everything over to Jesus? Yes! Thank you for kind of getting on the understanding of what it looks like. And it's not easy. That's why, that's why we have a comforter. And that's why Jesus did promise the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit did come and descend down in the room like fire, like cloven tongues of fire onto the disciples. And they, we have a comforter. And we have someone that dwells within us. And we have a God, we have a God that is a Father, Son, and a Holy Spirit that is waiting for us to just reach out. And so when you ask something of God, and when you go to God and you say, God, this is what I need. God, this is how I want to be. God, that's not the right perspective. And it's a result of us being impatient and it's a result of us wanting to be in control of our situation. So I encourage you, as you go throughout life and as you take this step of life, and if you decide to pursue faith in Jesus, I encourage you to learn to be patient and wait. Because Jesus will not let you go through life alone. And if you're like, yeah, but how do you know that? (laughs) Because he's never left my side. Not once. I've lost focus on him. And it seemed like from my perspective, like, well, he's left me now. But then... I don't have to look far to see that actually he's gone before me, he's in the middle, and he was behind me the whole time. I love each and every one of y'all. I encourage you. I hope that you spend time in prayer. I hope you spend time with the Word. And I hope you find community and fellowship with fellow believers. Um, And some of you are like, yes, but I have, I've had a hard time with churches in the past. I've met judgmental people, all this kind of stuff. I'm I'm so sorry to hear that, and there's going to be people out there that are going to discourage you from doing this thing. They're going to come at you with a position of judgment, Um, but the Bible specifically tells brothers to not judge brothers, and so I'm sorry that somebody's judged you, but that's not how Jesus views you, and so I hope if you spend time with the Word, you will see that they're just misguided and that they just aren't following the word exactly how it should be. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to see conviction. And that doesn't mean that some of the things you're doing aren't <laughs> supposed to be going on. Because there's things in all of our lives that we need to cut out. So I hope you're willing to be open in, in expressing that, hey, this thing that's going on, it, it's got to go. <laughs> but I, I pray that you do fall in love with God, and I pray you spend time with God in, in the best way. And you're like, how do you fall in love with someone I can't see? You've got to spend time in the Word and in prayer. And you'll see that just because I don't see God face-to-face doesn't mean I don't see God working. And and just to give a small glimpse, like 
my dad started traveling a lot for work. Like all my life, he's traveled a lot from for work, and so I've always. But there's been times where my dad hasn't been face-to-face present at things. Like, I haven't seen him just standing in front of me and been able to view it and go, yes, I know my dad sees it as I see it, and I know my dad's right here, and he's approving of me, and he's, you know, saying, cheering me on. But there's never been a question ever that my dad hasn't supported me, loved me, and cared for me. Because those moments where I do feel my dad's presence and I do have my dad there it's an overflowing and in, in a, in a sh- showing of the amount of love that my dad does have for me. And so just with the perception of how I view my actual father allows for me to see my heavenly father in that beautiful way. So I encourage you to spend time with your, your heavenly father. And uh, if you have family and you have friends, I encourage you to share the word with them. And if they are believers as you, then talk to them about the word. Being able to talk about the word with one another, only it just builds the body stronger. I will catch you on the next one. Peace.